as part of as our group, we get to support and take ownership in the camp. And this being Camp Sunday, it's nice that we were able to have the, the person who manages Pine Haven Christian Assembly be here to share in message with us today. Now, Tay is someone that I've known since she was very, very small. <laughs> I know, it's weird. <laughs> and and uh, we both grew up in Worthington, Minnesota. Another one of our uh, Christian churches is located there. And Tay was part of a very um, a large family. And she was kind of a Johnny-come-lately to that family. So she is quite a bit younger than I am. But I had the privilege of, of our two families being uniquely intertwined um, all, all the days we were growing up. And both of our families are uniquely intertwined with a lot of other families anyway. But uh, it's just a real privilege and an honor, and I'm happy and blessed to be able to have Tay Oder come and, and share the message with us today. Thanks, Dave. I love you, brother. <laughs> that could have gone a whole other direction. <laughs> so there, right there, is an example of mercy for you, lived through Dave. It's good to be part of the family of God, isn't it, Dave? It's good to be part of you as well. Well, we're in the second Sunday of Easter, so he is risen. From 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, most of uh, the Christians around the world are sharing in some of the lectionary readings. And I wanted to read this one just to remind us of where we're at in our, in our season in, in this year. Let's mark our time by God's story instead of Hallmark's. So here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. He is risen. Amen. That's a good word for us this morning. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, bring your resurrection power through us daily as we live out our lives of faith for your glory in your world. Shine your light through us, Jesus. Amen. It's an, I have to keep these on. I'm sorry. It's not my best look. But it's, an interest, it's interesting how much we learn from everyday moments. I picked up something the other day that I thought might get our conversation started today. So here's some things that we learn from our parents, right? We learn to appreciate a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning. We learn about religion. You better pray that that will come out of the carpet. About time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. I actually said that. 
That's horrible. We've learned about logic, because I said so, that's why. We've learned about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. How many of, my mother actually said that to me. We learned about irony. Just keep laughing and I'll give you something to cry about. The science of osmosis. Shut your mouth and eat your supper. About stamina. You'll sit there till all that spinach is finished. About weather, it looks as if a tornado swept through this room. I think I said that to Josiah just this week. About hypocrisy, if I've told you once, I've told you a million times, don't exaggerate. We laugh, but there's truth in the idea that as children and as adults, we learn a lot through life moments, either by observation or by instruction. I learned several things by observing my folks, Dave. You might have learned a few things along the way, maybe in our home here and there too. I learned that you can fit more than six kids and two adults in a car if you use the back dash and the front floorboard. I was front floorboard until the, until the second youngest graduated out into a seat, and then I got the back dash. Eventually, I was in the middle between two great big teenage boys. That was great fun. I learned you never want to be the one to ask to shut off the last light on the way to bed, for it was certain that Dad would be waiting around a corner in the dark to scare the daylights out of you. I learned that you don't get to decide whether you're too sick to face the day until you've showered, until you've shaved, until you've gotten ready. And then, if you still feel sick, we'll see. Maybe you can stay home. I learned that whistling always lightens the heart, that working together is fun, that laughter is a language all can enjoy. And I learned to leave our back door open so friends passing through town in the middle of the night can sleep on our basement floor and that you always have enough pancake fixings for the next morning, just in case it's a group. Some things are caught by observation, by living day in, day out with each other. Some things are specifically taught. I was taught, you eat here, you sleep here, you work here. That was, that was one of our, their mantras, right? I was taught a firm handshake shows your sincerity, Tay. No fishy stuff, Right? I was taught that nobody likes a smart aleck. I don't know, I tried that for so long. <laughs> he actually said that to me one day uh, at, a, at a dinner. They had dinner parties, like the Millers and the Jansons, and a bunch of people from the church would come out. And I was oftentimes the, the waitress of the party, you know, because I'm the little slave girl, right? So, <laughs> but I enjoyed it because I love those people. But I remember my dad, I'll never forget this teachable moment. My dad just pulled me aside quietly. I must have been hamming it up for, you know, it's an, it's an audience, right? Surely they came to hear me ham up. And so I, my dad just kind of quietly pulled me aside as I was passing the butter or something like that. And he just, nobody likes a smart aleck, Tay. I'll never forget it. Don't kid yourself. Face your truth. And I, they always said, remember who you are. And I knew that meant two things. It meant that I was a shield. And I went out and I represented our family. But more importantly, it meant that I was God's. And when I walked out our door, I represented him too. Those are some of the things that were specifically taught. Some of the things that were caught. Lessons and truths by observation and through instruction. That's how it works. And actually, that's how it was designed to work by God. God knew the importance of learning things in the moment. In just a minute, what you can catch. And he instructed the Israelites in this. And so I'd like to share with you from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I'm sure it's a familiar scripture for all of you. But let's look at how God sets this up. The commands are to be upon our hearts. This isn't a list of do's and don'ts. This is a way of life. It is internalized. It's the practice what you preach idea. The most important aspects, aspects of God's teaching approach, his, his didactic approach, is that us as leaders and as parents, that we lead, instruct, and teach from that which we've etched in our own hearts first. It's upon our hearts first. You know the saying, you can't lead where you have not gone. It flows out of our own relationship with God. This is what our kids catch from us in the everyday mess of our lives. So as you know, in 2016, that was a little bit of a politically charged year. There's some big things happened. Larry and I had some opinions about those political, uh, the political circus that we freely shared in the confines of our home. And one day, I'm out and about with my boys, and we run into some old friends of our family from Worthington, so old that my mother went to high school with, with uh, this gal. They're people that I grew up having in our home on a regular basis. And these are folks who always have had a different political leaning than my folks. And yet, they remained dear, dear friends through all their discussions and art we seem to have lost. And it's not the Millers. <laughs> Somebody else. Well, we're catching up a little bit, and Jordan's there, and he kind of wants to join in the conversation. So he asks them if he can tell them a joke. Sure, she says. And he proceeded to tell a harmless joke that, how do I put it, reflected poorly on a certain political party uh, to which our dear longtime friend adhered. I could have crawled in a hole. He definitely caught something from us. And afterwards, I taught him a few things about the choice of jokes and knowing his audience and things like that. True to form, our friend smiled, gave me a wink and a little laugh to Jordy. Not sure if she tousled his hair or cuffed him one as he left, <laughs> but we parted as friends. Much of what we teach is happening in the caught arena of life. The instruction continues to us, though, doesn't it? Impress them on your children. Impress, the Hebrew word means to pierce, to teach diligently, to wet, W-H-E-T. The idea of sharpening a tool. God wants us to sharpen those little tools he's placed in our charge with his command and his word. The idea of honing them, helping him shape them and create them into something useful that he can use for his glory. So how, how do we do that? Well, the, the word goes on. It says to talk which means to arrange or to answer, to rehearse, to teach about God's word when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols or signs or flags or beacons or evidence on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Uh, the Jewish culture, they have what they call phylacteries, and they do that, just, just that, a little box with some of God's scriptures, some of his commands in that box, and they wrap it on their forearms, or they wrap it around, around their forehead. They take that literally. 
God says to write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It's a hands-on, all-in, can't miss it. We're talking about that again? I know, Mom, you just read that yesterday. We're walking, we're sitting, we're rising, we're lying, we're tying, we're painting, we're binding. It's that kind of an approach. One of the boys was having trouble with six times seven one year. Just could not get that, that it was 48. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 42. I'm just teasing you. That's a homeschooler's joke because now you're thinking, oh my goodness, she's teaching her children? <laughs> so he's having trouble with that. So, so what we did is we put about 20 different post-it notes and we posted it all over the house. You couldn't eat, go to sleep, play, ride in the car, walk in or out of the house, watch TV, open the fridge, or use the little boy's room without seeing 6 times 7 equals 42. We rehearsed it continually and by the end of the week, he had it. He had it. It was in there. It was stuck. That's the type of stuff we need to do with the word. God not only, not only commanded, but gave us the example through Jesus, right? So he sets, the, he sets it up in the Old Testament, and he gives us ways to remember the feast of the Passover, the feast of first fruits. All those things are ways to remember him, his relationship with us, and his commands. And then he sends his son, and his son does this very same thing. Isn't that interesting? Jesus taught in the moments. In just a minute or two, he was able to grab the attention through something that they were just passing by, maybe. Maybe it was the wheat in the field, or maybe it was the little kids that were gathering around, bugging the disciples, but that he, whom he loved, right? He didn't just tell the story, or he didn't just teach or preach from a pulpit. He lived it as he walked with his disciples through everyday life. Throughout the Gospels, we see him teaching on the way, taking moments, just a minute here, just a minute there. Sometimes he used daily moments to teach. Sometimes he used stories. But in the context of his ministry, he used everyday moments to proclaim the kingdom of God and teach about his Father. It's really not all that difficult, is it? However, the, this parenting gig, can it's a little bit more difficult than just that. But sometimes we have to simplify things. And the simple can be very profound. It reminds me of camp. Jim asked me to come and share with you about how Pine Haven fits, fits in with the ministry to families. How does Pine Haven come alongside families and what they're trying to accomplish in, in their family and in their young people? And the Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy passage, to me, fit just perfectly. Camp is a perfect place for Deuteronomy 6 to be played out, to be fleshed out. Leaders who love the Lord, who have written God's word on their hearts, impress his word on the hearts of our campers through building relationship with them, by setting a good example, by living in community with the campers for the length of their stay. They sharpen and they hone the campers while getting ready in cabins, walking down the path, swimming in the lake, playing on the fields, jamming in the lodge, hanging out at the canteen, passing the ketchup at their family table. How they invest, how they care, how they build up, how they include, how they speak to each other, the respect and the, the love that they share, that's all stuff that's being caught in our youth and in our families and adults as we interact with each other at camp. It's a perfect place to live that out. We want our campers to catch God's heart for them every, through, through those everyday moments. And then throughout day, the day, there are so many structured opportunities to dive into God's word together. We learn to ask questions, to talk about God's word, in our class times and chapel and missions and fireside, at our family times and our daily devotional time, we specifically design days so campers are challenged in God's word. 
And then there are those teachable moments, the unstructured, off-the-cuff, divine appointments that can be used to teach a biblical truth or to simply encourage and speak life into a person. They only take a minute or two, but they can be life-changing. A faculty member invites a camper sitting alone to join the group. A cabin mom overhears a conversation in a cabin and joins in to help give perspective. A worship leader asks a student to play guitar with the band for chapel worship. A family dad helps the non-athletic camper score a point for the team. A dean prays with a couple campers. A staff member helps a fourth grader pass the canoe test. A speaker sits down with students to discuss their faith questions. So many opportunities. We remind our faculty that each week, each week holds, well, depending on the week, but at least 5,000. Can you put that up? That, that yeah, 5,160 minutes in a week of camp. That's, uh, that's kind of our normal, that's waking hours. Some things get taught in, well, some kids are sleeping and some kids aren't. But for the most part, here's, here's our, our opportunity. 5,160 minutes. Do you know how many seconds that is? Can you flip that up, Brent? I say seconds, moments. 309,600 moments in the course of a week of camp with kids unplugged, not distracted by all their electronics, by friends calling them and texting them every two seconds, who are there to really get away and learn about God. So the focus is unbelievable. We have 309,600 moments that we could seize for God's glory. It might just be a second that you say, wow, you, you did that really well. Have you ever considered... Or would you come alongside of me and help me with this? Or, man, I love your heart about building up their character. Or maybe it's just the, like, it's like the canoe test, a kid that's afraid of it. And we take a moment and we help them get over that fear and they succeed and now they can do anything, right? Or maybe it's that chimney that we've been climbing last, last year. They get to the top and they feel like they can conquer the world. All those moments, all those opportunities. What that maps out to a summer, because I just think this is fun, and I, I love, I'm not really a stats person, but I, I love this. Go ahead, Brent. 2,476,800 moments just in our youth camps. That's not even with family and adult campers. Just with our, look at what God could do when we're aware of what we have before us. Divine appointments that he set out way before, way in advance for us if we take those opportunities. You know, the reality is that you have a whole lot more than that in your homes. I don't know about you, Terry, but I blow a lot of them. And I go to bed praying that God would forgive me for what I missed. But then there's those moments that you, you realize that your kid get, get it. Did you see my Facebook post this week? So my Josiah, we cleaned, we have in-laws at the house right now, and so of course that's the time to clean, right? So we just, we were just tearing through our house, and the boys were, they were doing really, really well, and, and they just, we just worked our, our, our tails off one day, and it was late at night, and we had, we had watched one little show as a, as a family and said, okay, cash it in. And I knew I was heading up to our bedroom where everything that we didn't want to deal with had been shoved and I knew my bed was full, 
launder baskets. I just, just put it in my room. I'll do it. Put it in my room. I'll do it. Put that up in my room. I'll deal with it later. And so I knew I was coming up to that, and I was dreading it. So I shut the lights off, and I put the dogs in. I locked the doors, and, and the boys had already gone upstairs. And I came upstairs, and my bed was clear, and the, the bedding was turned down, and there was, my pillow had been fluffed, and there was a little teddy bear on my pillow. You know, maybe he's just trying to get something. <laughs> a little sign, good night. The teddy bear's holding a little good night sign. Josiah had taken the time to clear my bed and do all that. Now, I don't, he must have caught that from his dad, but isn't that amazing? You can, you can applaud. That's awesome. And then, and then you realize, that's the moment that you realize that it's really not us, right? It's God's work in in and through us, hopefully, but definitely God's work in the hearts of our, of our kids. And that was the heart of God, um, and he used Josiah to minister to me tonight. That's pretty awesome. That was not in my sermon, so that's a freebie. <laughs> Throughout the day, there's these structured moments, right? And then there's these teachable moments, these unstructured times. So one year, the campers did a service project for missions time, and Pine Haven was a mission, so they did service projects around our campground. One family helped plant some wildflowers in the Morning Sun Bay shoreline that will help attract dragonflies. And as they plant it, because they eat mosquito larvae. Trying to help you out there. So, um, so as they planted, the leader shared with the campers about slowing down long enough to see the beauty of God's creation. And she made them sit there for a little bit, just quiet at Morning Sun Bay, a place that we just kind of buzz by a lot. But she made them sit there and look out on the lake. She says, when you rock, walk right by the shoreline, you don't notice all the life that's buzzing around. But when you slow down, you start to see dragonflies and the bees and the flowers and the reeds and the water lapping against the shore. She talked about how we do with that, that with God, that we rush through our days and don't notice all the way God, ways God's working around us, that we need to take time to be still and know that he is God. Isn't that a great teachable moment? Another family put rocks along the shoreline by the canoe dock to keep the waves from undercutting the shore and eroding it away. They talked about how the rocks that they were placing there were going to protect the shoreline from the constant pounding of the lake. And then the leader shared how our lives can be like that. Life has a way of pounding on us at times, but there are things we can do to help protect our hearts and minds from getting overwhelmed. And he asked the kids what they thought they could do. And they said things like, love God, pray, read the Bible. He mentioned to them the importance of being part of a church as well and how you stand together with other believers and help protect each other, much like several rocks together do on the shore. It's a great moment. One family planted Norway, tree pine, Norway pine trees, and we talked about how the Norway pine will grow and can live up to 200 years. We told, them camp, we told the campers how the trees that they were planting today would outlive them and would, and would maybe give shade to campers 200 years from now. And then we asked them what other things they could do that would outlive them. And one camper just right away, he just caught it right away, tell others about Jesus. And we said, yes. And then we talked about how sharing Jesus, Jesus um, in our lives will go on way past our lives and on to eternity because it changes the direction of not only one life but generations. Isn't that great? Teachable moments. Some planned, some that happened naturally, but it's all about impressing God's word and commands on our hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk with them when you sit at home and when you walk in the way, when you lie down and when you get up. T 
tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. But I think this is the, one of the more interesting things. And actually, um, God brought it to my mind on my way here today. Jim and I were talking a little bit about this earlier. Have you ever heard of the phrase, rules without relationship equals rebellion? The interesting thing in the Deuteronomy passage, and Brent, if you could, if you could put that up now, that uh, verse 20. If you go down further and you go to verse 20, it reads, In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws of the Lord our God has commanded you, you tell him. It's not like, okay, let me tell you, this is because you're, you're supposed to do this because of this, and this because of this, and this because I told you so. And because it wasn't a list of this and becauses. It was this. We were slaves of Pharaoh in, in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees, to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Of course, Christ is our righteousness after the cross. But you know what he does? He doesn't give them the list and say this and because and this and because. He tells them who he is. He reminds them what he's done for them. He says, I give you those laws and those commands to follow because of who I am and because of my faithfulness to you and because I seek your best and because I created you and know you and I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. The laws and the commands are based in relationship. They're based in God's faithfulness to us. I loved the, the, um, the songs we sang this morning. They spoke of that as well. Before we close out our time together, I want to say what a privilege it is to come alongside your families to help develop, build up, and encourage you, your families, your children in your faith. This parenting thing is one of the hardest and yet the most thrilling thing I've ever experienced in my life. And today's, in today's social climate, Raising our families in God's word is not easy. Our kids are facing moral and ethical topics that I didn't face until I was in college or older. They get bombarded every day on all sides to com compromise their faith and turn from God for a more enticing piece of the world's pie. And you parents and you grandparents, you're bombarded too. Uh, a great little book that was put out in 04, so I know we're a few years back from this, and the stats might be even more alarming now. Um, by George Barnard is called Revolutionary Par Parenting. It's a great little book, great little read. But in it, he, um, he, he, they uh, surveyed 8- to 12-year-old American kids. And, and it's a survey about, uh, about church and faith and, and relationship with God and God's word and things like that. And this is what they found. Here's just a few things they found. Few of our children are motivated to share their faith. Most of our children are biblically illiterate. Now, this is across the board in America. This is not in a specific church group um, or even just churched kids. Few of our children take Satan seriously. Only one-fourth of them completely dismiss the idea that Satan is symbolic instead of believing that the devil is real. Salvation baffles most of them. Most of our kids are willing to entertain the idea that Jesus sinned while he was on earth. Three out of four young people reject the notion that there is no such thing as God. 
and only one-third of America's adolescents ardently contend that Jesus Christ returned to physical life after his crucifixion and death on the cross. Now that should alarm us. That should alarm us. We have a big job as families and as parents and as a camp that comes alongside you in, in your endeavors to grow your children up in the word of God. It's a big job. But nothing can stand against God's truth. And we don't need to be fearful because we know his word to be true. We know his character to be true. I think those stats would probably be a little bit more alarming uh, 12 years after the, they were published. But in 08, I was a youth minister in a northern uh, church. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to test this against my kids. So I took my youth group and I took their survey, and I had my kids fill out that survey. And I was alarmed at what our church kids are confused on and believe. We do. We need to take time, not just the catching times, but the didactic teaching times to instruct and shore up our kids. Pine Haven remains committed to come alongside you families by holding out the light of God's word in our dark and confused world. We are committed to solid biblical teaching and coming alongside our churches to help encourage and build up not just our youth, but our families and our adults as well. We are committed to proclaiming God's goodness, God's character, so that we can be reminded, reminded of where our life really rests in and what truth we really have to lean on of God's faithfulness, and we can be challenged to follow his word through thick and thin. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to do that this summer. And I encourage you, if you have high school to college age students, to look at our flyer on our Worldview Camp because that one is really specifically geared toward helping us to think critically and to look at the questions that the world is throwing at, the, at us and, and asking about God and the Bible and the reliability of the word and things like that and social issues. And in that week of, weekend of camp, we're going to spend a lot of time really thinking critically about that and not being afraid to ask hard questions. So I encourage you to, to, to encourage your, your high school and college-age students to look at that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Andover. The Lord your God is one. Can we put that up, Brent? We're going to read that together. Would you stand with me, please, in closing and read this scripture? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he strengthen your children and your parents and your grandparents and your families. And may you be a light that shines in our world for his glory. And may the kingdom of God come on this earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for letting me share today.